Welcome back to the Modern Mastery Podcast, where we dive into the personal and business growth journeys with those on the path of mastery. Today, I have Ryan Dreyer, who is a nutrition and cardio expert and coach that designs sustainable health systems for his clients. On this episode, we discuss how gym bros are missing out in terms of cardio, the importance of creating your own health philosophy, and why simple health systems can create drastic results. If you are a growth-minded individual that has skills, interests, or passions, have tried to turn them into a source of income but struggle to make it sustainable and predictable, consider joining Modern Mastery HQ where you can copy and paste our hundreds of processes, strategies, and systems into your one-person business while working four hours or less per day. We've packaged up the information from myself, a marketing consultant, and Joey, a performance consultant, into proven processes for starting and growing your business as a coach, freelancer, digital product creator, content creator, or online educator while becoming a laser-focused machine. We offer a seemingly outrageous $50,000 guarantee because we are that confident in our teachings. If you want to build a one-person business, design your perfect lifestyle, and live like you are supposed to, go to join.modernmastery.co slash podcast to get your first month for $5. Or if you want to skip all of the do-it-yourself stuff and join an intensive six-month program that guarantees business and personal success, we also have the Mastery Program. You can apply for the next cohort at join.modernmastery.co slash program. Links to both of those will be in the show notes. And last but not least, I have a few favors to ask that cost a whopping $0. So if you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe or follow. It's one button click away and it helps support the growth of this podcast. Two, leave a rating letting us know what you thought. Three, you can tag us at Modern Mastery on Twitter or at Modern Mastery HQ on Instagram with a link to this episode and some kind words or just some kind words. It always helps. And if you do all three, send us a DM and we have something special for you in return. So without further ado, let's dive right into this episode of the Modern Mastery podcast. Brother Ryan Dreyer. What is going on, man? Welcome to the show. How are you? Dan Co. I'm great, dude. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. Uh, very excited to chat with you today. Of course, man. Likewise. So you asked me where I was from before this, but where are you from? So I am from Philly. Uh, right now, I'm in Massachusetts at a family spot, and I'm actually in the middle of moving to Colorado. We leave the day after Christmas. Um, so I'm in flux at the moment, but uh, originally Philly, um, but headed west. Nice. Why, why Colorado? My sister is moving there. I told you I was moving to Texas. My sister's at the same time that I'm moving to Texas. My sister is moving to Colorado. So why Colorado? Because I don't understand why she's going there. Yeah. So uh, my wife and I lived out there for five weeks this summer. We kind of did the remote work uh, Airbnb setup. Um, and we just really dug, we really dug it. Um, we were living in the city in Philly for about two years um, and we were kind of itching to get out of the city. Um, and we were kicking around maybe like Philly suburbs where I'm originally from, uh, maybe somewhere along the Northeast coast where her family's from up North, uh, Massachusetts area. 
Um, but we weren't really like called anywhere. Um, and as soon as we got out to Colorado, you know, we're big into the triathlon scene. So we were like, this is a great spot. We're in, a, in an opportunity where we can pull the trigger and, and both work remote. So let's jump on it. Yeah. Isn't it like, it sounds, Colorado just sounds cold though. It doesn't seem like a spot that would be like an athletic hub. I, I know there's a lot going on in Colorado. There's a lot of outdoorsy stuff. So that kind of makes sense. But isn't it just like cold all the time? To be honest with you, I, I really don't know a ton about like the full annual calendar weather out there. Um, I mean, we were out there in the mm -hmm. summer, um, but I love the winter. You know, I'm from the Northeast, so, you know, I'm a big fan of the snow. Um, I went on a run today. It's like 27 where we are, so that doesn't really phase me much. Um, I don't really like to ride too much when it's super, super cold. Um, but anything else I'm super into when it's cold, so I don't, I don't really shake it at all. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm 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 a little bitch when it comes to the cold because I've just been in Arizona my entire life. So, uh, yeah, moving to Texas, I feel like it'll get a bit colder in the winter, but yeah, we'll see we'll see where life takes me after that. But I have a first question that I ask everyone. You may be aware of it, but the question is, what is your life philosophy in one sentence? Yeah, so I got to say, I've been listening to a lot of Modern Mastery pods lately, so I, I do know that that's kind of the initial question, but I still don't have something totally, totally mapped out with that. Um, I guess that what I'm kind of thinking on lately is my life philosophy is just listening to my inner voice um, and trying to follow my intuition um, and really trusting my gut um, and jumping at inspiration. Um, and then kind of to summarize all of that, I guess, like exercising courage to, to really like move forward with all those ideas is something that's really been ringing true in my life lately. Um, I definitely go through different periods of my life philosophy changing, but as of late, that's kind of what I've been into. Nice. I love it. I've noticed the same thing. I mean, if, if your life philosophy isn't changing, then that says quite a bit about your growth in a sense, but the, the intuition thing resonates with me a lot because I've gotten better at trusting it. Right. So how do you, how do you get it to a point where it can be trusted? Because I feel like the, the younger people, especially they don't have that experience built up where like, it's kind of just natural. It's like, Oh yes, my intuition was right here. So how do you go about that? How do you tune your intuition to be trustworthy in a sense. Yeah. So like the idea of trusting my intuition, I think I like separate that a little bit with like following my intuition and then trusting myself. Um, and what's really allowed me to like follow my intuition is just leaning more into the idea that like what is unique about me is what will allow me to succeed most. Um, so, you know, I've been in the, in like the online business space for a while. And like every time that I've been trying to follow someone else's exact path, like I can certainly make progress that way. Um, and you can follow a bit of a blueprint, but like at some point you're going to succeed most, or at least I feel that I am. If like I take leaps at the things that feel natural to like my curiosity and my strengths. Um, and I think that like to kind of pair all that together is just like, having the courage to do that kind of a thing, having the courage to like listen to yourself and then having like the commitment to see those actions through. Um, because ultimately, like if you don't have the commitment, you're really never going to be able to see anything to come to fruition. So you're going to really probably doubt yourself more. 
Um, so kind of like a blend of all of that, I would say, is how I, I kind of balance those ideas of being true to myself, letting myself be unique and letting my uniqueness shine through. Um, but at the same point, kind of sticking with stuff and, you know, following other people's guidance to a degree. That's, you said that really well, man. I've been trying to, I've been trying to like, I think this is the next step for a lot of personal brands or something that needs to be put into a framework is putting things into frameworks so people can understand them better. So I'm starting to create my own version of what, uh, like Jack put butcher called the personal monopoly or Naval called the market of one. I'm starting to coin it as like the experience model because that's what it's all Mm -hmm. based after right like you stack experience you learn how to market those experiences you learn and and those experiences are what separate you from the crowd so i must say like i i mean in mmhq i looked at your website it's fucking sick like your entire brand resonates very well with me and it gives off that um I mean, it's right in the name. It gives off the tribal vibe, which I really like. I don't, I don't know. I I really like it. So that's what I have to say. But in terms of how you got to that point, what, what is the story behind Ryan Dreyer that made this life philosophy so apparent right now? Yeah, well, I appreciate that, dude. Thank you for checking it out. Um, It's been really fun to build that. And that website and, and this brand that I'm working on now, Um, has really been like a culmination of like my entire like fitness journey as well as like my entire entrepreneurial journey. Um, And the idea of like tribal and the name tribal and the idea of building a tribe, you know, like I really like decided on that because I really like everything that I believe in in regards to like my health and my personal development. Like it, it just so much comes back to like being like simple and and, and leaning on things that have been around for eternity and not really getting lost in a lot of like the, I don't want to say like modern day nonsense, but like a lot of, you know, especially like with my nutrition philosophies, like so much of that has been like, how can I simplify my nutrition? And that's really what's like unlocked things for me. Um, so to try to like trace it back, um, you know, like I played a lot of sports growing up. I was an athletic kid, um, but I really struggled with my weight when I was growing up. Um, the first time that I finally got into fitness was when I was in my senior year of high school. My best friend and I did P90X. Um, so every day we'd be like <laughs> jamming out, going wild to the Tony Horton videos. Um, and just like the confidence that that brought me, like basically just kind of put me in a different mental headspace than I had ever been in before. Um, and I had basically held on to a lot of those health, you know, that solid health foundation through most of college, but I really lost it at the end of college. Um, I found myself like 220 some pounds, um, and, and really like had all of the the negative mental effects that come with all of that. Um, so basically like since then I'm, I'm 28 now. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time in the gym. I lifted for almost a decade. Um, and over the past couple of years, I've gotten really deep into endurance sports. Um, and endurance sports really led me down the path of nutrition Um, because I was ultimately like not able to do long rides and long runs if my nutrition from the day before or the day of like wasn't really on point. So just kind of in a brief snapshot, that's like my kind of fitness uh, story and my fitness history. And since I got into endurance sports and unlocked 
nutrition, that really like unlocked everything else for me. Um, it really improved like my mental health. It really improved my habits and like my daily control of myself, I guess is probably a good way to say it. Um, and like, I'm in the point where like what I have learned has been so like eye opening for me and so life changing for me that like, I feel naturally called to help other people do the same. And like, it's crazy for me because I spent so long trying so hard and like forcing so many things that were like almost working in the wrong direction. And like when I simplified everything and I like started adopting a little bit more of like an ancestral eating philosophy or a, you know, ancient tribal eating philosophy, I guess say is a little way, a little dramatic way to put it. Um, like my health progress just started to come super easy. <laughs> like when I started to eat simple stuff, clean stuff, simplifying my ingredient count, like all of a sudden, like the progress that like I used to try so freaking hard for, like it just started showing up. And then like I started to implement some systems around eating that really, really helped me uh, retain control of that. Like I used to do the yo-yo thing like crazy, um, you know, get right to the point where it's like I'm in really good shape and like I can really break through the next frontier. But like I'd still be going out drinking on the weekends and I'd still, you know, do whatever else that like instead of losing that final 10 pounds, I'd gain 10 more back and then I'd have to start it all over again. And like, I've totally broken free from that in the past couple of years. Um, and then in terms of like launching the brand and the business and everything, you know, like I said, I, I've really just felt like naturally called to help people with this. Um, and I've always been want, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, so I started my first business in 2019. I was sewing dog bandanas. I was like fixated on this idea that like I needed to make my product. And I was like, I don't know how to make anything. So mm. I like literally got my sister's sewing machine and just started to sew dog bandanas with fabric from like Joanne Fabrics and then sell them on Etsy. Um, and I built that up a bit and had a decent bit of success and, and failed a lot of times along the way. I had it on Amazon at some point. Um, but it sort of felt natural for me to be like, all right, I've learned all these kind of entrepreneurial tactics. Like, let me now start to adopt them to the fitness thing that I'm like super, super passionate about. And that has all of a sudden become like the foundation of my life. You're speaking my language, dude. <laughs> I don't know if you listened to uh, the past Friday episodes of the podcast where I talked about like, yeah, me cutting out alcohol alone was one of the big drivers in stopping that yo-yoing that I've been going through for like 10 years mm -hmm. of my life. I was making some progress, but not nearly as much as I could have made. And same goes mm -hmm. with uh, nutrition. I, I think we have a very similar nutrition philosophy now, which we'll dive into later but now i want to i want to ask i want to talk about cardio first and then work into nutrition because cardio is kind of a new game to me what i previously did was uh it was only when i was cutting right when i was trying mm -hmm. to cut back and i would get into the cutting mindset which i called it which now is has blossomed into a life mindset it's kind of something i had to adopt as a lifestyle as opposed to oh, this is just one intense period of my life where I'm cutting down and doing cardio and adding all of these beneficial things into my life only for a three-month period just so I can get back to this other lifestyle that I had. The two lifestyles were split there, and that wasn't uh, good for me. So in terms of cardio, what I think this question will frame it well because we probably have a lot of gym bros listening. So what are gym bros missing out on when it comes to cardio? Yeah, so like, I guess the first thing that I like, 
like to mention about cardio is that like I lifted almost every single day for like a decade straight. So like people who are super opposed to cardio or like kind of not into it, it's like if you've been lifting for a while, like you're not going to lose any of that strength and you're only going to become, you know, a healthier body and a more able athlete by looping in cardio. Um, but I think that a lot of people do cardio wrong, like my kind of like general approach to cardio or, or my general view on, on other people's cardio is like most people go out and they kind of do what I call a threshold run, which is like they run, you know, maybe three miles, maybe a little more, a little less, and they kind of do it at like their best sustainable effort. And they really like suffer along the way and, and don't really enjoy it. And they have a lot of mile times that are probably in their head from like high school and whatnot, that they're probably struggling to hit. <laughs> And that's just like totally backwards to go, you know, how to approach cardio. I think that a lot of times like that type of cardio, I refer to it as like a house. And that type of cardio is really for like raising the roof, and raising your ceiling. And I think that a lot of people would benefit more by elevating their floor. And so by elevating the floor of the house, that is like a much lower intensity aerobic effort. Um, it's a longer effort usually. And... That's what's going to show up more if you're trying to like improve your resting heart rate, if you're trying to improve your HRV, uh, specific metrics like that. Um, but like you mentioned, like gym bros, like an aerobic effort, like, or uh, yeah, an aerobic effort like that, like doing a very steady state, low intensity run, or even a bike ride, like that stuff is so good to do, like after a leg day or something like that. And just like training your legs to be able to operate in a fatigued state while at the same time being able to like flush them out and advance your recovery. And then if you want to loop in cardio, that's like for raising the roof, it's like, that's when we can start to look into like higher intensity efforts. You know, my run today was like some hill sprints. So that's what I was getting into. Um, other types of runs were like, I really focus everything based off of heart rate. So if I do like a hour long run, it might be like a 15 minute warm up, And then like, two 20 minute pushes of, you know, an elevated, elevated zone too. I, I use different zones than most people do, but like an elevated push that's like, you know, 20 minutes kind of at your best sustainable pace. Um, you got a little five minute recovery in between, then get right back into it. And, you know, my approach to cardio has evolved a lot over the past couple of years, especially as I've gotten big into triathlons, um, and ultra marathons. Um, but ultimately like, identifying the goal that you want to get out of cardio is like super important. Like most people just want to go run and they think that running is going to make them lose weight when, when in reality it's like, okay, like we should probably look a little bit more at like how you want this to impact your cardiovascular system. Um, you know, where your conditioning is today and, you know, kind of going about all the things that I just mentioned there. That's dude, that's really good. I really like that metaphor of the whole ceiling and the floor because, mm -hmm. <laughs> You're exactly right. My my initial mindset, the reason I put it off for so long is like, well, running sucks in my opinion or in my previous opinion. It's like, oh, running sucks. Like I don't want to just be out of breath gasping for air the entire time as I'm running. And the first time I ran with the intention behind it, it's like I'm actually going to do this and get into it. I ran and that's what happened. And I didn't like it. But then I talked with Dickie Bush and he gave me his running routine of what he's doing. And then it kind of started to make sense of like hitting a certain heart rate like you would when you're walking on the treadmill and you set it at a pace where you're not exactly dying. And that's kind of what changed the game. But for me, like 
it's hard. I feel like it's hard at the beginning because I had to run so slow. Like I had to run so slow to maintain a lower heart rate. And then eventually like slowly it's starting to build up. But do you notice that? Do you notice uh, in beginners or people that you coach that they have to start out running very slow? Yeah, like they have to start super slow. And like initially, if you try to just run with a slow heart rate, or if you try to run with a low heart rate, like you're probably going to find yourself like almost barely moving and thinking that that's going to like lower your heart rate. But like in reality, like once you just start running at all, like even if it's like the slowest pace possible, like your heart rate is at a, at a, at a certain metric that isn't going to go down until you just put in more time. Um, so I always encourage people to run more slowly. Um, one thing that I, I loop in with the people that I coach is uh, I, I try to shoot for the elusive 11 minute mile recovery run, um, which is like way slower than most people run. Um, you know, obviously, if you're running 11 minute mile, like that's not fast at all. But that is kind of the point of what I was mentioning with, uh, you know, lifters like that could benefit from added recovery, kind of the muscle flush running on tired legs. Um, but the biggest thing with running is that like it just takes time and it does come with time um but there's kind of a level of like i guess how can i phrase this best for somebody who's kind of getting into running and trying to learn to run with a low heart rate my best advice to them would just be like run at a pace where you can keep a conversation and don't really worry about your heart rate just yet because in reality if you haven't been doing this your heart rate is going to be at at least probably 130 or something like that. And if you're just trying to get it to go lower and move slower, that's kind of like what I was saying initially. Like once you pick up any hub of running pace, like it's just at a certain number. Um, but over time, it does it does definitely go down. And that type of running is probably what's going to show up most for people like, you know, when they're walking upstairs, when they're trying to get up off the floor, when they're getting up off the couch. You know, that's more for like elderly people, I suppose. But like raising that floor, that's where that shows up. Interesting, dude. So, so how would if you were coaching me and I was starting from nothing, like from <laughs> just running very slowly, how would you start to build out a running or just cardio routine in general? Like, because I went all in on five days a week, and I'll admit my calves, I didn't I don't have the best shoes right now. My calves were blasted, man, like it was it was painful getting out there every day. But so how would you do this sustainably from like, like first month of training? Yeah. So, uh, that's so funny. The calves always get blasted. I would definitely check in on form. I'm a huge <laughs> proponent of uh four foot striking over heel striking. Um, so I really check in on form first. Um, I really try to make sure that people I'm working with are landing their foot closer to beneath their center of mass. That's a good way to kind of implement that toe striking, but that's automatically going to blast your calves. So, you know, for you, like, I guess, give me an example or, or just tell me, I guess, what, what is your specific goal right now with running? What are you trying to get out of it? That's the thing. I don't really have a goal. It's more so to, I, I would, I would just say like a, a balanced training routine, like reaping, okay. Mental clarity, reaping the benefits of mental clarity for work, but also just staying conditioned. Like I see the value in being conditioned and having a more well-rounded training routine aside from just lifting weights. So mental clarity and I'm not really training for anything right now. So yeah, 
No, that makes sense though. Yeah. There are probably like four big runs that I would loop in for you. Um, and I'll start them from, from slowest to fastest. So the first would be the, the recovery run, like I mentioned, and that's going to be like a 30 minute run, like legitimately as slow as possible. Like if you can go 11 minute miles, you're doing an awesome job. Um, but that's really only looped in after the day after other harder efforts. Um, so that's kind of like entry level one, uh, level two, I would refer to as just like a base run. And that is just like you going out and running at whatever pace feels natural and sustainable to you. Um, you're working a little bit, but you're not working super hard. And I guess one note is that like I'm a huge proponent of running for time. So if I were to tell you to go on a base run, like I would say go run for 40 minutes or run for an hour, 50 minutes, an hour, whatever it is. Anything longer than an hour I'd refer to as a bit of a longer run. Um, but I wouldn't say like go run for four miles. I would say go run for 40 minutes. Um, so that's number two is a base run. Uh, number three, I would say is a tempo run. And this one I absolutely love. Um, this is what I was kind of alluding to earlier, where it's like, you're going to go out and you're going to run for an hour. And the first 10 or 15 minutes, like really take your time, really ease into it. Um, you know, build up your heart rate a bit. And then we're going to look at like two, either 15 or 20 minute pushes into zone two is what I call them. But most people would refer to that as zone three. Um, and that again is like almost your best sustainable effort. Like you are pushing and you're working, um, but you're not at quite of a max. Um, we'd have like a five minute recovery in between those where you're really taking it easy. And then all of a sudden you pick it back up for the second push of that. Um, and then a five or 10 minute kind of cool down run to finish that. Um, that would be number three. And then number four, um, would be like, a, a interval or, or hill repeat type of run. Um, that would also include maybe a 15 minute warm up or so. Um, but I could use the run that I just did today as an example. Um, this was actually a new one that I did, but it was four by two minute, uh, best sustainable effort pushes up a hill, which was actually really long for hill efforts. Um, and then it was a three minute recovery in between each one. So kind of running super slow back down the hill. And then there was a second set where it was four by 30 second pushes. Um, and that had a two minute recovery. Um, that was kind of a unique one, which is pretty fun. Two minutes is a pretty long time to be pushing up a hill. You got to kind of find a slow and gradual hill to do that up. Um, but putting in those efforts where like your heart rate's really shooting up and then you're giving it, you know, adequate time to come fully back down, I think is super important. Um, on all of those, you might've just noticed that like, I'm a big proponent of easing into it and not just like busting off the line, like give yourself a chance to, to warm up, let your body loosen up, let your heart rate kind of get warmed up a little bit. Um, but if, I think if you like sprinkled in a, a good mix of those four, that would be an awesome place to start. Um, the recovery run would be really valuable, like the day after either the tempo run or the hill repeat run, not totally necessary after the base run. Um, but that's just like a really good way to like work your heart in a lot of different ways. Like all of those runs have different ways to, to go about pushing your cardiovascular system. And for me, like that makes it fun too. Like all of a sudden, like you've got metrics you're supposed to be hitting. You've got times you're looking at the whole time. Um, like if you're using a Garmin and a heart rate strap, which I'm a huge fan of, um, just for like more accurate readings, like it becomes a bit of a game. And like, you know, I, I've heard you mention before about gamifying cooking, like the same way that you can gamify cooking, like you can gamify running. Um, and you talked about the mental clarity, like I'm a big, big fan of not running with any headphones, um, just giving yourself a chance to be outside. Um, I think another way to like benefit from uh, or kind of like get yourself into not using headphones is allowing yourself to go slower and not like 
needing to be listening to something super intense to like really push the the effort. Um, so I don't know, kind of a lot of info there, but that's probably a good place to start. Yeah, that makes sense, man. I, I we're we're gonna talk after this because <laughs> I'm interested in this stuff. So, uh, the other thing is, what? How do people go about this to like test, experiment, and find enjoyment in this? Because I feel like, as you said, I'm a big fan of the gamification, but I'm also a fan of finding the things that you enjoy most. So out of the different forms of cardio, um, what can people try for this? Because I feel like our minds are directly wired. We hear cardio, it's treadmill, running, possibly bicycle, like getting a bike. Um, but yeah, I'll let you go on that. Yeah. So my favorite is the bike for sure. Um, I love running a lot more than I used to. Um, but obviously a little bit more barrier to entry in getting a bike, uh, versus just grabbing a pair of shoes. Um, I guess to like highlight the bike and like what I really found and what really like hooked me on cardio, um, I guess were like two things like biking and trail running were really what hooked me. Um, and like the biggest thing and, and kind of the, the theme with those two is like, you are just getting to experience more of the world and spending a shit ton of time out in nature. And if you're not using headphones, like you've got zero inputs, like you are literally giving your brain like new patterns of thinking and new habits and new routines that, you know, otherwise is, is kind of like, I guess it's breaking you the site, breaking the cycle of just the repetition um, like someone who's just going to run at the treadmill. Um, I'm reading, I'm reading that Joe Dispenza book right now on, on becoming supernatural. And it's talking something about like being able to have the brain, like predict the emotions that come with an event. And that's kind of how living in the past becomes living in the future. And, uh, I don't know too much about it, so that's probably where I'll leave it. But like, I can really see that happening with cardio on the treadmill is like, if you don't really love running and you know it's going to be kind of a bitch to do and you're only doing it on the treadmill, like you kind of already have that experience written out for you. Whereas like if you can go find a new trail out in the woods or if you can go hop on your bike, like, dude, you could literally be turning on any road or going down any different route. And like all of a sudden, like now you've got like an hour, two hour, three hour part of your weekend or day that's like a totally new experience and like, I just think that that's super healthy for the brain and just super healthy for like mental clarity and all that good stuff. Um, as far as like actually finding some metrics to like enjoy running is like, it's, I think it's definitely fun to loop in like tests. Like if you start running with some of the runs that I just mentioned, like your mile is going to go down. Like, so, you know, go out to the track or go to a, a, a trail you've got or a, a rail trail or whatever, and, and go see what your best mile is after a couple of months or go see what your best 5k is. Or if you haven't been able to run very far, then like, can you go run for an hour? Like I've been a big proponent or something that's been huge for me has been the idea of like, putting yourself in a position to exceed your expectations. And like putting yourself in a spot where it's like, you can just do a little bit more than you thought. And then all of a sudden, like when you break through that barrier, like, you just start to do that a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, like you're doing things that you never even considered before. And like, there's really any way to go about that with running. And it's all about just like deciding on that, that finish line for the day or whatever it is. Um, so, you know, whether it's a single mile or whether it's a 20 minute push in a, in a tempo run or whether it's running for an hour or something like that, I think there's kind of ways to bleed those benefits out of anything like that. 
Yeah. I like that. I, <laughs> after all of these podcasts, I want to like start something new. I want to do the, I want to get a bike because one of my favorite YouTubers, um, he doesn't post anymore. He was one of those hidden gems that like never got views. It's that uh -huh. whole argument on Twitter where it's like the, the lowest follower accounts are putting out the most value. He was one of those people on YouTube and all like after a certain point, he transitioned from like Olympic weightlifting to uh, biking and yeah. that's all he did. And he, he like did a 24 hour ride. He's like biked across the country. He films like vlogs for the entire thing. And so that like him alone, I know that I mesh very well with him. I know I would enjoy it too. So maybe that's something I'll look for or I'll. I'll yeah, that's cool. I haven't, uh, I haven't heard Christmas of that. I don't know what YouTube store you're referencing, but um, that's cool. I like that kind of stuff. I mean, all kinds of stuff like that always just gets me like excited to be doing more. Like the idea of riding across the country is super intriguing to me. Um, doing random, that 24 hour thing reminds me, there's some guy in my town who did something. He, he like Everested this big hill. So I don't know if you've heard of Everesting, but just like going up and down a hill enough times that you get to 29 29.2, I guess 29,292 oh. feet is uh, the elevation of Everest. Um, so he just did it up and down that. So fun stuff like that is like another way where it's like, you know, those are the extremes of it, but it's, it's again, kind of just gamifying something, right? Yeah, that's fun, man. And I, I think the thing with maybe not even gamifying, but what you mentioned there about getting out and having novel experiences is what... Stephen Kotler puts it as he wrote the art of impossible and like becoming superhuman or the rise of Superman or something. And he considers it novel experiences. That's like when you experience something new and you make that connection, that's what causes the dopamine. That's why it feels so good when you're out and you're experiencing these new things in nature without those inputs, because you see something that you've never saw before. And you're like, Oh, holy shit. That's been there my entire life. And then it like solidifies in your head that yes, this was a good activity and then you want to continue doing it. And that's the whole intrinsic motivation thing. So it, it, it's super powerful. Like I, I need to stop running with headphones. I put headphones in and now I wasn't really aware of it until now. So that, that makes a lot of sense. So why do you compete? So why do I compete? So the biggest reason for me is definitely having a date. Well, I guess I'll say that it originated with having a date on the calendar. Um, for me, like the idea of a date on the calendar just became such a powerful tool. And I feel like that was something that I was missing back in my gym days. Because um, I never really had, mm. you know, a temporary finish line. Like it was just like, get more strong, get more jacked, look better, whatever, try to be a little less heavy or whatever <laughs> it was. Um, and the idea of, of kind of getting a date on the calendar, one started to hold me super accountable. Um, so it was like, you know, my decision making improved a little bit more when I had things that I knew were coming down the line. Um, but like more recently, and since I've like really got into competing, because I only started really competing like intensely within the past, like four or five months, I guess, um, like just to kind of trace back, like my kind of journey into this stuff is like, I got my road bike in February of 2019. And my goal that year was to do a half Ironman. 
and I ended up breaking my ankle in April. So like none of that happened. I spent the whole year recovering and then the next year was 2020 and no events were going on. So like by the time that 2021 rolled around, like I had been into this stuff for a while and all of a sudden like I was in kind of a different air than I would have been as like a rookie. So I got into like my first triathlon, I guess I did it in June. Um, and then I did a couple more throughout the year. And initially it was like that idea of just like, let's get a date on the calendar. Let me go out and have a really great day and, and a fun experience. But like now that I've been into it a little bit more, like, dude, it just unlocks something in me and it lets me like unleash something that's just been inside of me like forever. Like I've always loved sports. I've always been competitive. Um, but I haven't, you know, maybe like since high school, like I've, I guess like, I don't know, in college, like I was the guy that took, uh, like co-ed sports too seriously, or I took the, the kind of like frat league softball a little bit too seriously because I've always just really liked that stuff. Um, but at some point, like you gotta, you know, probably not be the guy who's screaming at the girl to go catch the foul ball or whatever it is. Um, so to be able to like kind of work on myself and develop these skills and improve my nutrition and improve my endurance and improve my strength. And then to be able to like toe the line and get out and like literally be like the man in the arena, like that quote, um, you know, it's just something crazy powerful. And it's been something that I've fallen in love with. Um, it's been super fun because like me getting into it has brought my wife into it too. So now it's like kind of the thing that we do right now. Um, and it just like gives me something to just unleash this like power that I feel like I have onto the world. And I don't feel like I'm super unique in that. Like I feel like so many people must have like that feeling of like, you know, seeing the guy on TV who makes like the final shot and you just being like, damn, like that could have been me in some world. Like that's something, something, you know, I've got something that, that could be expressing something like that. And what I've just fallen in love with is the fact that like, I could go out to like the town triathlon that happens once a year. And like, I could get that feeling from that. Um, and so like just being able to compete and then also like, as I'm getting better with that, like kind of eyeing up the competition a little bit, starting to kind of look at guys and be like, I'm faster than that guy. I can beat that guy. <laughs> Stuff like that. Like I like the swagger with it too. Like I won't yeah. lie. Um, so it's kind of an evolution, yeah. but I think it's super fun and it's just something that just gives me something to always be working on, which I think is, is necessary for me because I can fall out of, out of good habits as easily as anybody else. Solid. I, I definitely need something to compete in because, uh, like I've always toyed with the idea of like a physique competition or bodybuilding or something, but that, that kind of fell off, uh, down the road. And so something like it, it's much lower barrier to entry. I mean, you can go and sign up for, as you said, the local triathlon or even the 5k runs that they have around this time of year, like the Turkey trot or other things. And it gives you something to train for and look forward to. And the thing with all of this is like with this whole cardio thing, with this whole weightlifting thing. And as I said, we'd get into nutrition because I've been on a nutrition kick lately and trying to study a lot. What is your overall nutrition philosophy from yeah. like umbrella point of view? Yeah, so I guess there's actually one final part I wanted to mention on that um, competition thing that just kind of came to mind. And this is something that I really learned in, in ultras, um, and I'll bounce to the nutrition in a second. But 
with like these types of things that you can just sign up for, like it's so much about you versus you with like everybody else doing yeah. the same, which I think is super important. Like when I showed up to my first ultra marathon, which was ultimately just a product of not being able to do triathlons, like my wife and I joked, this dude pulled up in like this broken down Honda, Honda Civic and this dude like looked like Hagrid from Harry Potter and he was out running a 50K that day and it was like, I'm not competing against him, I'm competing against me and he's competing against himself and we're both here to support each other in that individual feat. So that's like a little bit different. That's more like the ultra scene versus like some of the triathlon scene is some of the more competitive things that I mentioned, but there's definitely themes of that throughout. Um, but that's just something else that I really, really like and I appreciate um, because all of this stuff with cardio, it seems super individual, but if you like lock into the right group of people and the right networks, like it becomes a huge team environment, um, which a lot of people don't yeah. really consider, I think. Um, I'll touch as on for... that a bit too. Go for it. Yeah. I'll touch on that because I've been writing about this recently. It's it's a part of my book and it's about like, because I start to... At the very beginning, I paint everything as a game. Like I try to make the world seem like a game like World of Warcraft or some big MMORPG, right? But then I, closer to the middle where I'm at now, I'm starting to uh, create the idea of life being a single player game, right? You're competing against yourself in all areas of life. And a lot of the activities you should you do should revolve around that because that's what creates that obsession in people because you have full control over it as well. You have full control over the like outcome of whatever that is. And in later in the end sections of the book, it's going to be talking about the multiplayer game and how it's like everyone's playing a single player game inside the multiplayer game and then like finding your tribe and things around that. So it's really cool to hear because that's what all of this is, right? Is when you're competing against yourself in the gym and let's say you do a physique competition from what i've heard everyone there is supportive but at the same time everyone's competing against themselves and they all have their own idea of what their self-competition will result in right that's why they're training they're usually not training to beat another person in that thing and especially in a big race or something else like it's it's kind of like you're not even really paying attention to that many people at that point it's like okay because at that point it's so overwhelming you're just like there's no way that i can compare myself to one person here so the only thing left is to see the value in pushing yourself and like it i could see that competition alone creating a mindset shift towards seeing the value in that self-competition and not comparing yourself to others yeah, no, I, I love that. And, and that resonates a ton with me. And, you know, I think that like that self competition is just what makes like the daily actions worth it. And that's what kind of keeps you on your toes about it. Because, you know, you know what you're capable of, and you know, when you can be a little bit better. And as long as you can really balance, like the improvement in that realm, like that's ultimately kind of what the secret sauce is and all that stuff. Um, but now yeah, it totally translates to, to kind of anything else, right? Yes, 100%. So let's let's get into nutrition because I feel like we have very similar ideals here, but I want to get your take on it because I'm in a weird transitory position where well, I'll, I'll dive into it, but I want to hear your nutrition philosophy as a whole. 
Yeah. So like the easiest way to like describe my nutritional philosophy is just to simplify my ingredient intake. Um, that's ultimately like the foundation of everything. Um, I have been intermittent fasting and playing with fasting since about 2016, which has been a huge thing for me. Um, earlier this year, I did this diet challenge where I ate carnivore for a month and then I ate plant-based for a month. So I have a lot of experience with going super, super heavy on meat. And then I have a lot of experience with going fully plant-based, but what the plant-based diet really unlocked for me was not eating any processed foods. Um, that was the first time in my life that I, that I was super, super diligent about what ingredients were listed, if it was packaged and I just didn't eat any seed oils. I didn't eat any added sugar. I didn't eat any of like the, the fake processed crap that is kind of the, you know, the shelf preservers and things like that. Um, so that's really what's like stuck with me is just the themes of like simplifying what I'm putting into my body. Um, I really try to not eat anything out of a package. If I do eat something out of a package, like I try to make sure that it's like a, a single ingredient, literally. Like I'll have almond butter and it's coming out of a jar, but it's almond butter. It's all, it's just almonds. It's nothing else. Um, versus like, you know, there were times back in my lifting days where it was like, oh, I was getting the, this one guy that I worked with got me on the, the natural GIF over the other GIF. And it's like, okay, that's better. But like, there's still probably, I think there's still added sugar in that one. <laughs> and there's still like five ingredients in that. Um, and so to me, like I've just seen tons of benefit by cutting down what I'm putting into my body. And oddly enough, like I don't really find it restrictive at all. Um, I like to lean on the fasting if I'm put in situations where, you know, there's not great options around me. Um, and as a whole, like I really prioritize meat. Um, you know, I, I shoot for the, you know, the thing about a gram of protein, a gram of protein per pound of body weight. So I, I probably eat around two pounds of meat a day. Um, I eat a lot of fat right now. I'm eating a lot of goat cheese. Um, and I try to eat my carbs around exercise. That's been a big thing for me lately is just balancing the idea of like endurance training and a lot of cardio training, um, you know, where carbs are going to be necessary for me. But also like leveraging like, you know, the fact that like I've lost a lot of weight and I've done a lot of good in that realm from fasting. Um, so that's like, I guess, the, the general themes. Um, you know, I try to eat my carbs around exercise or in the evening, like I said. And outside of that, like I fast when I can. And most meals are, are pretty much a bunch of meat and some some fats. Mm. Nice. Yeah, we're very similar there especially like when I was in the cutting thing. So I'll, I'll go through like uh, my what I'm doing right now, because last week is or the past two weeks are kind of different. So before that, I was doing the very similar thing. It was more high fat, very animal based, um, lots of cheese, eggs, eggs, meats, some liver just to get the beautiful nutrients from that. And uh all the things to follow and then my smoothie with the berries and carbs around my training midday. And now like it, it's such a weird like mindset shift because previously, as I said, when I would go from cutting to bulking, it was like I immediately shifted lifestyles. And now me going back into what I'm trying to maintain now and like at least rebuild that lifestyle or carry that lifestyle over but i'm i'm testing out a very high carb diet again because oh, really? at the very start of my 
Yeah. At the very start of my journey, I followed a lot of the bodybuilders because I, I would uh, say that my like gym progress is more important than my cardio progress right now. And um, the people like Lane Norton, Alan Aragon, Eric Helms, a lot of them in the nutrition game, they're very adamant on a high carb diet. So what was previously like I would maybe cap out at 100 carbs a day. Now I'm at like 400. And that's what I used to do. But I was just terrible at like it was mostly the alcohol and processed foods that were killing me there. So now I'm at like 400 grams of carbs a day and I feel great. And I'm starting to work more into that realm because this past like that entire time of me cutting, I was on the whole ancestral kick, like diving down that rabbit hole. But then I found myself like forgetting everything that I had learned before in terms of this like entirely other side that has very compelling arguments when it comes to a super high carb diet. And so now I'm testing those. And that's what I like about all of this. Like whether it's like you're kind of forming your nutritional philosophy through testing for you as the plant-based and then the carnivore and pulling the best from all of those and seeing how it interacts. And the thing that I've realized as well is that like with this whole ancestral thing and even the high carb thing, you could rely entirely on confirmation bias if you wanted to. Like there, there's a bed of research on both sides that seem to contradict each other. And it's, it's extremely hard to navigate in my eyes. So it's like, that's why I'm trying to test it out now. And see where that goes so i don't know just food for thought for the listeners i'm I'm like i don't want to push this on anyone it's like do your own research and i'm not a nutrition guy so it's like do your own research and see what works for you and that's the beauty of life and progress and all of this is just testing yeah like i totally agree with that like it's cool that you are testing those and i definitely did not expect you to say you're going high carb but like I totally believe that you can succeed on that. And I'm not surprised that you've succeeded on the ancestral style too. Um, you know, being able to like self-test and being able to like extrapolate learnings from each of those, like to me, like that just becomes each, each little nugget that you'll pull out of those, those experiments just becomes like a superpower that you can lean on at some future point um, when you want to dial things in or, or do things a certain different way. And I think what's kind of super important on the whole testing side of everything is to like, have a pretty clean protocol all around. Like I know you're not doing much drinking, so you're going to be able to see the benefit of these diets. Whereas like, I don't know, I just think about myself in the past when I would have, if somebody would have told me to eat these different ways, but I'm still going out all the time. It's like, I, I probably wouldn't have been able to learn a ton or wouldn't have been able to understand why things were yeah. impacting me a certain way. But um, when you've got like kind of a clean framework on on the overall lifestyle and then you manipulate the diet in different ways, I think it's a cool way to, just lean on discipline and improve your discipline. Like it's, you know, probably not the easiest thing to go from eating under hundred grams of carbs to 400 grams a day. Um, and I don't know, for yeah. me personally, like I definitely am, am constantly working to improve my like mental relationship with carbs. Um, just because, you know, being heavier at some point, like that came from, you know, mm. being gluttonous and eating carb based foods too frequently, uh, you know, for the most part and sugar based foods too frequently. Um, so I think it's cool to just exercise those different, different routines and, and lean on discipline and improve your discipline too. Um, cause the, the nutrition stuff's not easy. 
Um, and you know, to be able to kind of have the, a clear understanding of it all, I guess for me, like I, one thing that I, I kind of struggle with is like, you know, I just, I feel so clear without carbs. Like I feel so laser focused in the morning when I'm fasting and generally speaking, when I'm low carb, like I'm pretty locked in with everything. Um, so like, it's been a big, uh, realization for me to be able to like, time my carbs with exercise or have them later in the evening. Like right now, I feel really good about my mental clarity and being able to take in more carbs. Um, you know, there have been times that I've eaten like, you know, whether it's even like a bunch of fruit throughout the day or other clean food that's carb based throughout the day. And, you know, definitely not like bad, but for me personally, and kind of what I'm aware of, it's like the balance of that. But then also like recognizing that like, you know, I'm Ironman training, like I have to have carbs. Um, you know, to me, yeah. I, I've played with the the fasted exercise thing. And a big breakthrough for me was recognizing that like, I was under fueled for a lot of my races this year. And I thought that I could do the low carb thing. But ultimately, like, I just put my heart rate above a level where you know, I put it above a level where it's like, I think it's like if you get over, I think I had read that if you go over 60% of your VO2 max, which I don't know where that translates on your heart rate, but it's like over 60% of your VO2 max, you automatically switch to glycogen fueling. So like to me, I'm like, yeah, an Ironman is an 11 hour, it took me 11 hours and 15 minutes, but like my heart rate, you know, I'm, I'm not just, you know, aerobically going through the whole thing. Like I need more carbs. Um, so that's just something that I'm kind of working on, I guess, to kind of throw out there. But no, I love tinkering with all of it. And to be able to, like, like I said, exercise the discipline of it, like that's a huge aspect for me. Yeah, I agree. Because that's the other thing I've noticed is like uh, bumping up the carbs for for some reason, it's much easier for me to like move things around if I have to, because the 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 sources that I do get my carbs from, it's like, they're so, it's so voluminous. Like, so whether it be like Jasmine rice or fruit or berries or something else, it's like, it's, it's, you can eat a lot to get, uh, the carbs that I'm trying to get in. Uh, it's a lot of food, but that's the other thing. It's like, I'm, I'm starting to notice myself become less disciplined because of that. And so that's a battle where it's like, at least I'm able to notice this stuff and uh, course correct accordingly. But one question for you, so for your clients or yourself in general, especially the clients with like a very active social life, or even just when you're eating out, like how do you navigate that? How do you navigate what's good to eat, what's bad to eat? Do you moderate at all? Yeah. So like I have a couple different like I kind of refer to how I eat nowadays as I, I kind of refer to it as like a nutritional system. So it's like if I go out to eat and this is pretty much in general, but like I don't really tr I try to not have any food past eight. So like if I'm out to dinner, like I at least know that I'm not going to be eating calories, taking in calories past eight. And, you know, generally, if you go out to eat, like, you know, there's a good chance you're probably gonna have a little bit more food than you might expect. So like, I really lean on like an extended fast the next day to kind of counteract that. Um, 
in terms of like what I would order when I go out, like I've really trained myself and, and this is like something that I teach to everybody that I work with too, is like, just have your eyes dart to the protein, like find the protein on the menu um, and like focus on that stuff. Like don't really opt, you know, if you want to get a salad, you can get a salad, but like, don't think that the getting, the getting the salad is the healthier option. Um, so just kind of darting my eyes towards whatever the protein is. I mean, now that I've done the carnivore thing, like I eat a lot of steak, um, so like I'm almost always going to order a steak when I go to a restaurant and, you know, I used to like be kind of a little stingy with probably not wanting to like splurge on the more expensive item on the menu. But like if I'm not drinking a lot, then I don't really care because I'm not spending $8 on a beer or $12 on a drink or whatever it is. Um, one thing that I, 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 you know, I'm not maybe the best at, but it's a good strategy that I like to deploy every now and then is just leaving a little bit of food on the plate when I'm out at a restaurant. Um, you know, I, I've always been the person that clears my plate completely. Um, and so just even leaving a couple bites, like if you're at a restaurant and you get some steak, that's got like a risotto or something like that, like those last four bites of risotto aren't going to kill you, but like that could also be 200 calories that like kind of makes a difference. Um, you know, depending on the you know calorie intake, it's kind of an estimate, but like stuff like that, I, I like to be mindful of, um, you know, the biggest thing for me is, is probably like just trying to make sure that I'm not like overeating. Um, you know, since I really struggled with my weight for such a long time, like I really, really feel a lot of power in like being in control with my intake and, and knowing how much I eat and like being mindful of it too. Um, I'm kind of dancing around a lot of different ideas here, but like one thing that I also like to, to teach guys and like deploy is like literally just think for a second before reaching and grabbing something like, if I'm, you know, I don't usually eat bread when they bring it out, but it's like, if you want to have the bread, that's okay. But like, see the bread, accept that you're going to have the bread, reach for the bread. Don't just reach for the bread because it's on the table. Mm -hmm. Like little tools like that, I think are really powerful for just controlling overall intake. Um, and those have allowed me to like ultimately be able to go out to eat and, and not feel like I'm super restricted. Um, it's like, you know, if I do happen to eat a little bit more, it's like, okay, I just know I'm not going to eat in the morning the next day, or I'm probably going to fast until maybe two or 3 PM. Um, whereas like the old version of me that like struggled with his weight for a long time, like, you know, I'd either overeat and then just say, fuck it and probably get dessert too. Or like I'd overeat and then I'd get food, I'd have breakfast in the morning because I'd like convince myself that I don't, that I need food or something when it's like, I know enough about my body now to recognize that like I can go a long time without food no eating situation um, is like irreversible um, and limiting alcohol helps a lot <laughs> is probably a big theme too. Yeah. The alcohol seems to be one of the big killers here. It's, it's been crazy. And one thing I, I kind of lost my train of thought, but I, I do want to talk about seed oils a bit because I saw uh, your podcast episode where you were like riffing on deep nutrition and talking about how seed oils can affect that mental clarity. Um, I, I've like that part makes sense. And I feel like it resonates with the listeners, especially, uh, since like I've talked about it multiple times and had other guests talk about it. So I want to bring a different angle here and, when it comes to seed oils or just like, how do I frame this question? Because a lot of trainers that you see, 
or it used to be common advice for people to have cheat days or cheat meals, right? And having some, like, they consider it moderation. Do you recommend that? And do you see room for that in an individual's diet? Yeah, so, like, I guess the easiest way for me to kind of touch on that is to just, like, give an example of how I think about cheat meals now. So it's, like, realistically speaking, like, I now enjoy like a really high quality steak with, you know, some quality sides. Like I enjoy that more now than like going out and having a pizza or something like that. Um, which like, I can't just tell people to start to think like that. And I can't, you know, I can guide people to how I thought like that and how they might think like that. But that's ultimately a realization that like, I probably didn't really think I'd get to at some point. Um, now with that being said, like I do, I do, you know, have pizza from time to time or I I love ice cream. It's holidays. I'm having cookies for sure at some point in the future. Um, so like for me, I feel way better if like I have that stuff, but I like control the amount that I have. Um, that's something that I've struggled with in the past. Like I used to literally eat an entire gallon of ice cream or the, the entire half gallon of ice cream. Like that would be my cheat meal. Um, and I think that one other thing that's really helped me is like, I have really like shifted from the mindset of like, and this has been like a huge benefit of like my cardio training because I didn't used to think this way with weightlifting. But like I now think it's like, okay, like I went out and, you know, I ran 10 miles today or I ran or I biked 50 miles today, whatever it is. Like I used to have the thought process of like, now I can have something shitty. But now I think like I really put in a lot of work. I don't really want to waste that. Like my body is pretty starved right now. Like, I would really benefit by like a quality steak and like, a you know, some, I make like a great sweet potato mash these days where it's like, I, I nuke the sweet potato and then I mash in some almond butter, some maple syrup, some butter, some salt, some cinnamon, like that to me, that's delicious. Um, so I'm not at all doing like the, the chicken rice broccoli thing. Um, so like, I really like to like kind of flood myself with that kind of stuff when I'm thinking about a cheat meal now. Um, and I really try to like limit the quantity of food when I stray. Now, I definitely still struggle with that sometimes. Um, it's kind of funny. My wife and I were cheering me on. I've had ice, I had ice cream twice in the past week and I only had one bowl, which was a big win for me. Um, but in terms of just like cheap meals, that's probably kind of how I think about it. I mean, I think that there's definitely room for like straying, but I think that I used to make the mistake of like, I guess like, how can I kind of summarize this? I think it's more important to think about your habits when you think about a cheat meal. And for me, I didn't think about it that way for a long time. And when I would let a cheat meal come up, I would let my habits totally fall off course. And that would have me showing up every Monday, you know, like shit, restarting the engine. I'm restarting, the, I'm kicking the tires. When it's like, if I can eat things that I like, no matter really what it is, but still stick to good eating habits, lean on some of those things, like I said, like, if I'm going to have ice cream, I try to do it early. Like I try to not eat ice cream past seven or eight or whatever it is, not at 10. And then maybe if I need to do a fast the next day, I can do that too. So like, there's a lot of different things kind of orbiting what I'm mentioning, but like, that's my kind of idea to it. I don't really think that it's like bad to have cheat days. Some people say that about like relationship with food and whatnot, like however you want to frame it in your mind is, is, is just got to be what works for you. And I don't know, just thinking about it from different angles has helped me a lot. And a lot of just like trial and error with it. And a lot of times just honestly being like with myself, like, okay, like I had 10 cookies last night and I feel like shit today, mentally and physically. (laughs) So like, 
let's be pretty tough next time our brain tries to tell us to do that. Oh, dude. I, I had the same experience. I saw, uh, what was it? I saw the new Spider-Man. <laughs> and I got some... We just watched Far From Home the other night. I don't know if that's the newest one. There might be the set. There might be a newer one. Oh, the the newer one is No Way Home. And okay. if you've watched like the previous Spider Mans, like all of them, you need to see it. <laughs> you really need to see it. It's it's really fucking good. Uh, but the I I had a bag of Skittles, right? And that was on top. That was later in the night after my eating cut off. Um, after I'd already eaten what I was supposed to for the day. And so I woke up the next day and felt like garbage because it was a, it's a movie sized bag of Skittles, right? It's not just like a small bag of Skittles. And so that was like my, some people may not see this as big, but for me, that's, that's like a huge, like red flag from what I've been doing this past like year. Right. And so I woke up and immediately like filled with regret. I'm like, fuck, man, like, I can't believe I did that. And so now going into it the next time, I'm going to have to create some smarter systems to get around that. But the the other whole thing like that, I mean, you may not care about this at all, but I, I like to express like where my mind's at at the like at the moment and especially in terms of nutrition, because what I'm seeing on Twitter a lot and what I've kind of become or what I was like indoctrinated in to an extent was a lot of the like holistic health stuff, which is fucking great. It's great. And it's like changed my life for the better. But I think what a lot of people are missing is researching the other side. So like the flexible dieting side of things, which is very similar to kind of what we're talking about here but they promote higher carb which is like that's why this is so interesting to me to me and kind of why i'm gonna be putting down like just me talking about nutrition in general is because it's it's mind-boggling all the people i used to follow right the like the og fitness bodybuilders and a lot of the people in that circle that is kind of it's like None of them are on Twitter, so it's way, it's less known. So it's super interesting for me to be able to like come in and see both sides and then maybe I'll start talking about it again, but I really want to see like how that balance works out because you can't, after like diving into the ancestral or holistic health stuff, it's like you can't deny the benefits that come along with a lot of these things. But at the same time, there's like different thought processes, especially around like the the seed oil argument. And I don't know, it's just really interesting. And that's what I love to dive into. I'm, I'm surprised my brand isn't like health in general, but there, there's just so much to dive into and be interested in. So that was kind of just scream of so, consciousness. So what do you really mean by that? that? You, you, you mean that like Go some ahead. of the high carb stuff that you're seeing, you feel like it's kind of contradicting? a lot of the other things that are probably a little bit more common that we're seeing on Twitter or what do you mean exactly? It's, it's somewhat contradictory, but a lot of the people, so I'll, I'll throw out some names. I don't like, I study these people while studying the other side, but there's Lane Norton who is 
very nuanced, but he he likes to take the extremes that people say on Twitter or just like the general arguments and provide some form of he doesn't say like, oh, don't do this. But he says, like, come at it from like the data, like what is the actual data saying, not the story that's being told before you see the data, but the actual data. And he's made a lot of connections of like, okay, people aren't guzzling an entire thing of vegetable oil. They aren't. He, I know Lane Norton specifically talks about sugar a lot and its effects. And then Alan Aragon also talks a lot about this stuff. But it's like, it's the weirdest thing because I see the... It's like we talk a lot about mental clarity. I mean, I've attributed a lot of my mental clarity to the ancestral stuff recently, but I feel like that's because I kind of forget about like I can't pinpoint a time where I had or like I can't remember what my mental clarity was like when I wasn't paying attention to it, you know? So when I like see these people where it's like this Timberwolf is one of them, it's this dude who's an artist and has like really complex thoughts in his posts. But all like what he does most of the day is he just smokes weed. He does cardio. He eats in and out burgers. And then the rest of his diet is like fairly clean. And he, this dude's shredded for a 45 year old. And so that I, I personally don't think that's how I'm going to live or how many people should live. But at the same time, it's like, how the fuck is this guy like doing this? And it, it really makes me want to come back and find the 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 things that are causing the actual destruction. So th- this is like, I'm just saying this for the sake of like spreading awareness of these things because I feel like there's benefits that can be pulled from both, but I still have further research to do. So, yeah, yeah no, I think that like one thing that I always like to remind myself of is like, dude, literally the human body is the most resilient thing on earth. Like it can thrive on damn near anything. And there's a lot of different body types and a lot of different, I guess, ancestral lineages or whatever you want to describe it as where it's like if you if you came from Ireland, you know, you're probably more likely to thrive on potatoes or whatever it is. I haven't really dove in dove down too far on that kind of stuff but like just the general idea makes sense to me um and when i did the plant-based diet like i didn't do it for crazy long i did it for 30 days but like i'm like you know i don't necessarily love this but like someone could totally do this and and thrive i think mm-hmm. um so i think that like one thing that i attribute uh i attribute positively to like the ancestral side of things and um you know, maybe things that like go against carb stuff is that like, I think the ancestral stuff kind of back end reverses some really bad eating habits that a lot of people have. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that like eating habits are ultimately what matter a lot more. Um, You know, like you think about the average person is probably waking up and having sugar in their coffee within 30 minutes of them waking up and very possibly having alcohol within 30 minutes of going to bed and probably having a bunch of shit in between that. So it's like if, uh, you know, if you're kind of looking at where people can adopt a diet and, and steal some progress, it's like the low carb thing kind of forces out some negative eating habits. But like if you're somebody like, um, you know, those people like you mentioned, like, I totally believe that somebody can have in and out all the time. Like, 
Chad Johnson, the receiver <laughs> uh, who used to play for the Bengals. Like someone was just mentioned him to me the other day. Like he used to eat McDonald's all the time. And I saw some, uh, you know, from the Philadelphia Eagles, yeah. one of the wide receivers was mentioning that too. Like if it's a home game, I got to go get McDonald's at this spot. And in my mind, I'm like, dude, how? <laughs> but like, I don't know. It clearly can be done. Yeah. But like for somebody who's not active enough or not getting enough movement in their day, very sedentary lifestyle, like it ain't it to be doing that in my opinion. But of course, there's people who are kind of reversing that logic and, and proving that it's not like one proven and paved path for everybody yeah that was very well said i think that sums it up man that's a that's a good place to end on is like i'll i'll leave it with this because it's something that i just was trying to formulate something out of like some form of system or framework because to me all of this is it's like up in the air all of this health mindset everything is just up in the air. And it's like, I need to pull out the specific things, make it make sense. And so I've been dabbling with the idea of like life as a series of science projects, because one projects imply a desired outcome. They, um, they have metrics, they imply something being built. Uh, you, it's easy to gamify. And then the experiments on that project are like the little things you try and test and see if they work for you. And then at the end, you have a nice project. And so uh, I'll leave it at that because it's it's kind of like a very general view of things. It's like you have to you have to experience things for yourself either way, but you need to experience the right things by studying the people that are putting out the research backed information, the uh, all of the good stuff like listen, but balance in that critical thinking is kind of what I'm about. So Brian, I appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, we're going to talk after I stop this recording. But is there anyone or is there anyone? Where can people find you and how can people hire you or what, what can they do next? Yeah, I appreciate it, dude. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm honored uh, and I've enjoyed our chat a ton. Uh, easiest place to find me is definitely on Twitter. Um, my handle is Ryan V. Dreyer and my website is traintribal.com. Um, I've got some one-on-one -on -one coaching offerings um, that really range from like sports specific. So if you're training for an Ironman or a triathlon or an ultramarathon or any kind of other running race, I work with people in that capacity, but also like weight loss stuff that's, that's a little bit more uh, broad spectrum and dials a little bit more on habits, environment, things like that. Um, I've got a couple group coaching options coming up. I'm actually launching a uh, kind of a New Year's group. Um, kind of a sprint to implement some some uh, better eating habits and some lifestyle changes um, that are kind of like the culmination of, of everything that I've learned in, in my journey that I think can be really helpful for people um, and kind of cut through some of the nonsense. But hitting me up on any of those places is probably the best place to find me. I appreciate you uh, letting me plug here and uh, I've had a great time hanging. Of course, man. It sounds sick. I, I like the group coaching. I like group coaching in general. But yeah, man, thanks for coming on. Uh, listeners, thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of the Modern Mastery Podcast. I have a few favors to ask you. For a whopping $0, you can support this podcast by following, rating, and subscribing on whichever platform you are listening on. For an additional $0, you can share this podcast and tag us at Modern Mastery on Twitter or at Modern Mastery HQ on Instagram. This helps the Modern Mastery community grow 
and allows me to bring you top-tier guests to fuel your hunger for wisdom. It costs $0, but it does cost you your time, and we understand how valuable that can be. Lastly, if you are trying to build a one-person business as a content creator, coach, freelancer, digital product creator, or online educator, consider joining Modern Mastery HQ that has hundreds of proven processes, strategies, and systems that you can copy and paste into your life and business to become a highly paid, free, and fulfilled individual. Go to join.modernmastery.co slash podcast to get your first month for $5 and gain instant access to four beginner legacy courses, hundreds of trainings and strategies, and a community of growth-minded individuals because, quite frankly, your friends and family just don't understand this kind of stuff. With that, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Modern Mastery Podcast, and I'll see you in the next one.